0: Well, good morning. Um, as you can tell, I am not Pastor Paul. Uh, so anybody who's visiting us today, I'm, my name is Chris McLean. I'm one of the elders here at Crosstown and get the privilege of speaking uh, from time to time when uh, Pastor Paul's out of town. So he's out of town and asked me to come and uh, bring a message today, so I'm happy to do so. Uh, Pastor Paul's been leading us through this series uh, called Live the Do. And the idea behind Live the Do Is that the do is actually the blessings of the Lord, and He's been correlating those blessings with different things in our life and being in Him, uh, being in relationship with Him. We've seen that that connections of blessing related to the relationship. Stacy came, my wife, and brought a message a few weeks ago that taught about the need of really being in Him and all that we do, and that that leads to this do of Hermann, this blessing from the Lord. And then we learned about the blessings in marriage. And we learned about if we, if we would dedicate our marriages and our relationships with our spouses to how the Lord tells us to do it, that there's a blessing that comes in that in obeying the principles of God. And we've seen last week how we can take that same idea as that Christ-like message, that Christ-like principle, and how Christ fashioned his relationship with us. And if we turn that to how we relate to the community around us, that that leads to this, this operation of tolerance in our life. And then that tolerance then brings about the blessing of unity. And that's been real important last week. It was really powerful. Well, today, Pastor Paul's asked me to talk about success and the success that I've seen in my life and then how do I equate that to this idea of being in him? And, and what do I attribute uh, the success to? Is it, is it just the Lord you know, letting me win a lottery? No. Uh, what is the one thing that I kind of contribute that to? And, and so I'm happy to talk about that today. But I wanna tell you ahead of time, I'm gonna make you a little bit uncomfortable. Uh, because some of the things, the way in which I'm gonna talk about it is gonna be a little uncomfortable. The, the things that I describe in my life currently are gonna make you feel uncomfortable. You may even start thinking that, that you know, I'm just, I just live this blessed circumstance and I just, you know, that I don't understand. And I can promise you that I do. And so if you stay with me through the whole thing, we're gonna start off with the blessings of, of my present life. And then we're going to talk a little bit about the challenges of my past life. And as we go through all this journey, I hope that you, you find yourself answering three things. Because I think if you answer these three questions, that that's going to lead you to a truth that I found early on that really has been the one thing that, is, that has kind of initiated this success in my life. And so the question is, what is success? That's the first question. The second is, how do we attain it? What do we do to unlock God's success in our lives? And then if he does bless us with that success, what do we do with it? What's our role? What's our responsibility? What's the Lord asking us to do with the success that he's gonna bring to us? So I'm gonna set the stage in the, in the present life. We're gonna investigate you know, what, what is success and, and how do we attribute it? And the, you know, the cultural answer to that is we see people uh, win something or achieve something or attain something, and we think, oh yeah, that's success. That that thing that they've achieved, that goal that they had, that, that blessing in their life uh, is success. And actually, I'm gonna challenge that a little bit today. But I'm gonna start out by telling you all the blessings of my life. So how, how would I declare my life right now? I would say, I am successful. And I would tell you there are some blessings in my life, that currently in my life, I am living amidst a season of blessing. I'm 46 years old. I've got a beautiful wife. You saw her up here giving the announcements. She's stunning. I've got two amazing children. Uh, one's 14, one's 18. The Lord's blessed me with three children. One's with the Lord right now. But the blessing in my life is that all of my children know the Lord. And that is a huge blessing in my life. My wife and I get to serve here in this church as elders. That's a blessing to do the Lord's work. We've been here almost 20 years. I count many of you as my best friends on this planet. Pastor Paul is one of my best friends on this earth, and, and you know it's been a blessing to grow close to him over the last 20 years. It's been a blessing to serve alongside of many of you for the last 20 years. So we're blessed. We live uh, in literally the best place on earth. I mean, people keep acclaiming Charleston as the best place to live, and I, I agree with that completely. Um, I wish they would quit advertising it because it just leads to crowding. But nonetheless, it is the best place. And really, I- I'm not going to be ashamed that my little corner that I live on really, I think, is the best place on the entire planet. If you've been to my house, you, you know I'm not lying. You-, you come in the door and through the back window, if it's at sunset, you'll see a sunset that will take your breath away. And at first, when we first moved in there, I thought, oh man, I can't, I gotta be careful how I talk about this because people are gonna think I'm bragging about it or that somehow this is something that I'm you know, proud of from my life or no, th- these are blessings. And I've learned that I can't hide those blessings because those blessings you know, demonstrate to the world that the truth that I'm gonna tell you here today is actually a truth. That there is a correlation between you know, how do we initiate this success in our life? So that's very true. I live on, in the low country. I live on deep water um, in Hollywood, the wood. Uh, and it's a huge blessing. Professionally, I've also seen blessings. Um, not always in my life, but, but certainly right now, I'm in a, in a period of blessing in my life. Um, I'm an internal medicine physician, for those of you who don't know me. So I trained and in internal medicine which is general medicine for complicated sick adults is kind of how I describe it to people. I practiced for 16 years. I had the, the blessing and privilege to, to really count many of you as my patients and that was a huge blessing in my life and those relationships I wouldn't trade for anything. I had 16 years of practice, then about six years ago, really because my practice was going so well, I was one of the more productive physicians in our network um, and I'm, I'm happy to say that the hard work and the, and the dedication that I put into that practice, I had the highest quality scores of anybody in our entire network for three or four years in a row. Now, I'm not bragging, I'm telling you, this was a blessing of the Lord. And so that led to another blessing, which was it gave me a platform to start leading. And so about six years ago, I started in physician leadership in our organization. So I wrote work at Roper St. Francis Healthcare, and I began in primary care leadership initially. So I was over all the primary care doctors, um, and we built what, what really is still today, and this was just me, it was a team that I was privileged to work with. We built the best primary care network uh, in, the, in the low country. Um, happy to say that, uh, really in our state. Uh, and I'm real happy to say we, we've recently engaged, we're going through this um, strategy exercise in our organization. And so we've engaged one of the best strategy firms really in the world, uh, the McKinsey Group. And they've come in and they actually told us that we had some of the best performance out of our primary care of anyone they've ever seen in any healthcare system around the world. And so again, not bragging, just telling you that's the truth. That's the blessing the Lord has allowed us to achieve. Then about a year ago, uh, just before COVID, by the way, which has a uh, blessing and, uh, and some suffering in it, uh, but about a year ago, just before a little year, over a year ago, I started as the chief physician officer in our organization. So so that means that I function in a relationship, in a dyad relationship, or a partnership with uh, our chief operating officer, who I'm happy to say is sitting in the audience today, Anthony Jackson, we work together in partnership over operations for the whole health system. And it's a, it's a pretty impressive health system. It's a billion dollar a year healthcare system. We have four hospitals, we have six ERs, 120 sites of care, and we're the only faith-based health system you know, in the low country. And we provide the majority of the compassionate care to this area. So what, it, what that means is when people come and they can't pay, we, we take care of them. So literally the hands and feet of Jesus, I think, in that setting. And so when you, this is certainly not an advertisement for our healthcare system, but I tell you all that stuff because the Lord has blessed what we've been doing And and blessed it even in your houses and in your community, in our entire community. He's blessed what we've done. And you can't look at all the things that I've just said and not agree that this is a harvest of fruit that the Lord has me in right now. Now, those of you who know me know that's not always been the case. You know, we have, in my family personally, we've seen some immense tragedy. We've seen, I I have been at a, a point in my life sometimes where I didn't know how I was gonna take my next breath. I mentioned that we have two amazing kids. Yeah, we've had a third, and that, that child died. And that's some of the worst tragedy you'll ever find is, is losing a child. And so, you know, that, that took me to a point of immense sorrow. But I would tell you, it gave me the opportunity to be carried by the Lord. And, and for any of you who go through sorrows, I know all of us in our lives have tragedy and sorrow that we suffer. It's part of our, our journey. It's part of what the Lord intends uh, and, is to be carried by him. And that's also a blessing that I would count. So you hear me say all these wonderful things and you think, you know what? Either you think he's just bragging, I need to tune out right now. Or you think he's lived such a blessed life that he doesn't know what it's like to be me. He doesn't know what it's like. This doesn't apply to me. I can't have the success he has because he just doesn't understand. Well, I can assure you that I do understand because the things I just described, that's not success. That's not how the Lord describes success. That's how the world describes success. You know, they calculate all the things that we have and the accomplishments that we make and the the power that we wield, and they say, yes, this is successful. But the truth is the Lord doesn't say that's what success is. And so in this first stage, what I want you to do, if we don't have the right definition of success, we don't know where we're headed. We can't see what we're headed towards, and that can really lead you off track. And so let's look at how the Lord describes success, you know. When Jesus was walking on this earth, he was walking amongst his disciples, and they came to this point, and they were in this man's house, and a woman came forward with this incredibly expensive oil. And she began anointing Jesus with it. This was right before his triumphal entry, uh, you know, as he comes into Jerusalem. And she's there anointing him with this oil that's, you know, I've heard estimates that this was like a thousand days' wages of what she was pouring on his head. And his disciples saw this. And listen, these disciples, if you, if you know much about them, they've known what it is to want. You know, they gave up their careers. They started following Jesus. And, and from day to day, they didn't always know where their next meal was coming from. And so they see this woman come in and pour this incredibly expensive oil on Jesus' head. And they say, wait, Lord, why this waste? This is out of Matthew 26. Why this waste, they asked. This perfume could have been sold at a high price and the money given to the poor. And aware of this, Jesus said to them, why are you bothering this woman? She's done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you will always have with you, but you will not always have me. And that one half sentence there, the poor you will always have with you. When I first read this scripture, I can remember that hit me over the head. And it was like, wait a minute, Jesus doesn't care about poverty? I thought his word said about all these things about provision and about you know, flourishing and about prospering. So what does this mean? He doesn't care about poverty? And it was like he was talking about poverty, and he, and he does. In Scripture, many times he talks about finances, and he talks about wealth. But what he was saying here was that, as if it was just some side attribute, that this, this poverty really isn't what, what it should be focused on. And clearly in this section, what should be focused on is that relationship with him and then what that leads to. And so that perplexed me because he was describing this as if it was some peripheral thing like hair color, Or or hand dominance. You know, any of you who, and and I equated this recently because I was thinking about this as we were watching some of the swimming in the Olympics. And you know, they're in the pool and they're getting ready to start and they got the cap over their hair. So I can't tell what color their hair are. And I have no idea what hand dominance these swimmers are, right? They don't advertise that. And so that's the kind of idea. I'm witnessing their success. I'm seeing how good they can do. And I have no idea about hair color or hand dominance. And I think that's what Jesus is saying. Your financial status is peripheral. It's like the hand dominance and the hair color. It's not the most important thing. But that's what we think about when we try to define success. And so in Scripture, when you... So then if, you, if that's not what success is, then I need to f- figure it out in Scripture. What is success? And the verse from last week uh, that Paul taught on about tolerance, I think in the first sentence declares what success is in part. And this was 1 Peter uh, 3, 10, and 11. It says, For whoever desires to love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. So that first sentence, desires to love life and see good days. If we could all have that in our life, wouldn't that be good? Would, if we just loved life and we just we we could see good days and what that means. Doesn't that define success? The Apostle Paul also talks about it in his letters. He says, I have found the secret to being content in all things, whether in want or in plenty, whether in need or in abundance, whether in sickness or in health. And that contentment in all things, what is that? It comes through Christ Jesus, through a relationship with him. And he even talks about his, his previous status because the apostle Paul was, had some stature. He had, he had a platform to speak from early on before he knew the Lord. And he says, I count all of that as rubbish. All the entitlement that I had, all of the pedigree that I had, all of the, the street cred that I had, he counted it all as loss for the sake of knowing Christ. And so I think as we investigate success, we've got to define it this way. Success is contentment in all things, in plenty or in need, to love life and to see good days. And I think if we can keep our eye on that as the definition of success through your life and through the rest of this talk, you're gonna be able to see how how important that is, how powerful that is that you don't start chasing after the wrong things. So so what do we do next? How do we initiate this? Like, you, you, you can't believe that it has to do with circumstance, enablement, entitlement, pedigree, or social advantage, because the Apostle Paul said, I count all that as rubbish. It's all nothing. And so I hope to convince you through the rest of this little section that we're not going to count the circumstance or enablement or entitlement or pedigree or social advantage as to be the things that initiate this success. There's something much more simple that that you can do without all of those things that I did early on in my life that I a tribute to, to be leading me to success because the truth of the matter is I didn't start with any of that. I didn't start with successful role model in my family. I didn't start with entitlement or a pedigree or a famous Charleston name. I didn't grow up with a silver spoon in my mouth and I certainly didn't have a heritage of faith. I, I, I pray that most of you are instituting that heritage of faith in your families but I didn't have that. I would describe, you, describe to you that currently I'm blessed currently, but where I came from, I was completely broken. Completely broken. I had a broken family. My parents were divorced when I was five years old, largely in part because my father was an alcoholic. On two different occasions, he held a knife to my mother's throat. When she finally got the courage to leave him, when I was five, that was after I remember this time when he, <laughs> he faked a robbery in our house. This is unbelievable. Faked a robbery in our house. So, so acted, tore up the house, act like everything was, was you know, torn apart and, and, and robbed. And the only thing missing, it was so interesting, was my piggy bank and my brother's piggy bank. Maybe there was 50 bucks in each, maybe. But those were the two things that were missing. TV was still there, the radio was still there, everything else was still there. My piggy bank, my brother's piggy bank was gone. And I remember thinking how odd it was that the alleged site of entry, this window in the kitchen, that the glass was all on the outside of the window. Well, come to find out, it was because he staged the whole thing and didn't think about it. He was probably drunk when he did it. Didn't think about the fact that if you break a window from inside, the glass goes out. Uh, and clearly that couldn't have been where they came in. But anyway, anyway, faked, a, faked a, a robbery in our house, stole from my brother and I, and this was the setting. And then once my mother got the courage to leave him, uh, he'd stalk her and he'd call her at work and he'd say, hey, I know you're wearing those um, black pants today and that red shirt. And I want you to know when you're walking to your car tonight, I'm gonna kidnap you and I'm gonna kill you. So this is not exactly the, the uh, pedigree uh, or the heritage of faith that you might think when you look at me now and you look at how we've dedicated to raising our children, you may not know these stories. I, my kids probably just learned this story today. You may not know those stories, but that's the truth of where we came from. And then, so then you think, well, maybe it got better. They were divorced when he was five. Maybe it got better and he had some other role models. So, so then, you know, of course, my mother gets married again. I'm a stepfather, also an alcoholic, also abusive. Um thought it would be a good good idea to, to when I was a teenager to start hitting my mother and, and one day that led to him and I getting into a physical confrontation in the front yard. And instead of this time him threatening her with, with killing her, it was I it was me who threatened him. Hey, you do that again, I'm gonna kill you. And I wasn't kidding. This rage was in my life at the time. I got into more fights when I was a kid than I can remember. Um, all of these kind of broken situation led to some significant poverty. Uh, I would say we kind of roller-coastered through some poverty at the time when I was a kid. Uh, but I remember my senior year, we lived in a in, of high school. We lived in a cinder block house right off Re- Remount Road, and literally across the street uh, was the drug dealer. Um, I knew that because I knew, knew him and saw him selling on the street, uh, but then also occasionally there'd be a drive-by where people would just drive by and fire off into his house, there's a trailer actually, uh, fire off some gunshots into his trailer and we'd hear it uh, as we're trying to go to sleep. So it certainly didn't come from a financial, financially advantaged situation. Um, I would say I had an average education. I went to public school, uh, nothing wrong with that. I'm a big proponent of public schools, uh, but certainly, I mean, it wasn't Porter Gowd, and I wasn't, you know, being instilled in by people who could really mentor me and shape my future. Um, you know, I certainly didn't have a physician in the family. Many many physicians, you know, have physicians in their family and, and I certainly didn't have that. I mean my my family business <laughs> was was drinking too much, lying and stealing and, and as I've just pointed out, stealing from your own kids, your own kids. Um, had a bunch of rowdy friends like many of you probably did. We, we all drank too much. We, we, we dated a lot, and, and certainly we're very thin on glorifying attributes. So nowhere in this story do you hear circumstance, enablement, entitlement, pedigree, or social advantage. So then what happened? Well, the Lord intersected my life, and He saved me. Now, I'm not one of these guys who's gonna get up here and tell you that all this success is just, you know, I'm just, a, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. Forget about it. Forget about it. I'm just a sinner saved by grace. The Lord, he just dropped this down in my life. He was wicked cool. He dropped all this cool stuff in my life. I'm not gonna say that. Because, I mean, it's true. He certainly has blessed my life But there was also something that he called me into to actually initiate these blessings in my life. And that's where I wanna get to with this. Because again, he saved my life, but I said yes to it. I had to interact with him. So when I was 14 years old, I had peripherally been around some church groups and, and some youth groups. And so I had heard... This, this message of salvation, this message of truth, and I, I couldn't explain it, but it resonated deep in my heart with, yes, that is right. And I remember thinking, I don't know how to enact that. I don't know how to get that, but man, it, it resonated with me. And I can remember being in some of those, I'd get invited to these youth groups, and I can remember the words, of the songs going off, and even the old hymns. And it so resonated with me that I would, I would have my hands up and I would be singing the words of these songs, not even knowing what I was doing. And my friends, I think they thought I was making fun of it. And so I kind of, I didn't know what I was doing. So I kind of just let it go. I let them think that, but the Lord was speaking to me his truth at that time. And so I can remember being 14 years old, being on the bed my, in my bedroom, not knowing what in the world I was doing. And I just said, yes, Lord. I said, you have told me that if I just said yes to you, if I just accept your grace and your forgiveness, Lord." For forgive me today. And you know, I bet I prayed that a thousand times over the next three or four years because I had no idea what I was doing. I had nobody in my life that would, that I could go to and demonstrate what does it look like now? What do I do next? How do I, how do I walk this out? So I wasn't sure it took, you know, and that scared the mess out of me because I told you I was lost. I was broken and I didn't know what to do next. And so I just kept praying that prayer. Well, ended up he did bring some people into my life that showed me some examples and began to, to teach bit by bit a little bit of truth into my life, and I would I would hear it or I would see it. I had some friends that you know that that walked a godly walk, and so I would start noticing what are they doing? What 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 can I take into my life? I ended up going to an average college. I did moderately well. Ended up getting into med school after getting waitlisted. Uh, I didn't deserve it and I knew that, but I began to see success in my life. And it was all because I followed this one simple critical truth, this one thing that he asked of me. And I remember, I remember sitting on my, my bed uh, fast forward a few years and I met my wife and we're dating and we're engaged and my brother comes in because I, I have one brother, older brother. Um, he was actually living with, us, with me at the time um, and he comes in and he was really concerned for me. He says, you're about to get married. How in the world are you sure you're gonna have a successful marriage? Don't you remember what we went through? And I have no idea why I said this to him, but I said, you know what? You know what's the difference? I'm gonna commit my marriage To the Lord. And then I know if I build my marriage on the Lord's foundation, and I had no idea what that meant. I didn't understand respect. I didn't understand love. I didn't understand that. I didn't understand those principles we talked about a few weeks ago. I had no idea. But what I did know is that the Lord would bring success. And so I just said, in my ignorance, I said, I'm going to do marriage God's way, and it can't fail. A little naive, but that's what I said. And you know what? The Lord blessed that. And you see that in Scripture, that he talks about, you know, that if you just initiate his success by saying, yes, Lord, and that's really all it comes down to. And that's the take on today is that to initiate his success in your life, just say, yes, Lord. You, you don't need to know how, what that yes means. You don't need to know a year from now what does yes mean. You, you may not need to know, you may not know tomorrow what yes means, I can tell you there's been plenty of times through this COVID thing, you know, leading a billion dollar healthcare organization through COVID that nobody had a playbook for. You know how many times I was on my knees every morning at 5 o'clock in the morning saying, Yes, Lord, and I don't even know what I'm saying yes to? Just give me the wisdom, give me the discernment for every decision, everything today that I'm going to need. Yes, Lord. And he tells us that. Like I said, the Apostle Paul in Philippians talks about that contentment, that success, that contentment in all things through a relationship with Christ. Micah 6 in the Old Testament tells us the same thing. It says, what is the one thing I require of you? What is the one thing I require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly before your Lord. And so when you think about those three things, it all comes back to yes, Lord, because act justly, how do I know what to do? Well, I can know through this word. And I can put everything before the Lord and I can ask him those questions. Lord, I don't know what to do, but I'm just gonna say yes, Lord. And I'm gonna assume that I can act justly and you're gonna tell me when I get off, off track. And you know what? He does that because I didn't know how to do this marriage thing. I just said yes, Lord. But he's shown me every step of the way when I screw up, which is plenty of times. We'll get Stacey up here next service. She'll talk about all the times I screw up. And I'm serious. I, I, you know, I don't have this magic playbook that tells me every step what to do and how to answer. I screw up all the time. But my heart position is yes, Lord. My heart position is obedience to the Lord so that I can act justly. I don't even know what that means all the time. And and it's interesting. Micah doesn't lay out what act justly means in every circumstance at every time. He just says act justly. And as much as you can today at this moment, what's the Lord telling you to do? The Lord is the arbiter of justice, right? I mean, what was the forbidden fruit in the garden? It, the forbidden fruit was the, no, the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil. Well, what, what's, the, what's the knowledge of good and evil for? Well, it's to, it's to assess justice. It's to assess what is right, to decide, to set the plan. And so if, if I'm forbidden of that fruit, well, then that means I must have to go back to him for it. And so where do I get the idea of what it means to act justly? Well, I get it from him every day, every decision. And I I know I'm not gonna do it right. Madison was up here last week, if anybody that was here, and and she talked about the one thing she pulled out of a youth trip was that idea of obedience. And when I heard her say that, I I thought to myself, all right, Lord, she said that just for me. Because I'm going through this sermon in my head, because I already knew I was giving it today, and so I'm going through my sermon in my head, thinking about how how does my sermon gonna gonna reflect with Paul's? And she gets up and says that, and I was like, yes, that is it. That is the one thing to ensure success in your life is yes, Lord, obedience, obedience to what He tells you. David tells us this in Scripture. David's talking to Solomon on his deathbed, and he says, I, you know, and you put yourself in this position, <laughs> the king. The man after God's own heart is on his deathbed and he's got like a few last breaths to talk to his son to say, you know, what what is the one thing to be successful in your reign? And he says, observe what the Lord God requires. Walk in obedience to him. Keep his decrees and his commands, his laws and his regulations as it is written in the law of Moses. Do this so that you may prosper in all that you do wherever you go. Let's not lose the fact that this is David talking. So I just said he's a man after God's own heart, but remember David. David's also the guy who was the adulterer. David's also the guy that looked out a window and saw his general's wife and said, yeah, she's looking pretty good. Bring her on up here to me. David's also the guy that after he committed adultery with her, sent her husband to the front line so that he'd get killed. So this is the guy who's the adulterer and the murderer, and he was a horrible father. His sons tried to kill him. So he was a horrible father. So it's an adulterer and a murderer and a horrible father. And what's he telling Solomon? Obey the Lord. So was David obeying the Lord when he did those other things? Absolutely not. Hopefully nobody here believes that. No. And so what does that teach us about, does that mean David was wrong? No, it's in scripture. So it's right. And so So what what does that tell us? It tells me that what David was communicating to Solomon is that it's not about your performance, right? God cares about your passion, not your performance. God cares about your yes, Lord. Do you think when I was on my knees and I said yes, Lord, I knew what that meant or I knew how in the world I was gonna act it out? I didn't, I told you, I prayed a thousand times for salvation, I didn't know what I was doing. I just knew that yes, Lord was right. Because God had put a passion in my life, to a passion in my heart to respond to him. And that's all he requires of you. So no matter where you are, no matter what your pedigree is, no matter what your circumstance is, no matter what you did yesterday, no matter what you think you might do tomorrow, he's got you at a moment right now and he's asking you to do something. And what he requires is yes, Lord, and to take that next step. Because that's the difference. He's not asking you just to, just to know And I would argue he's not even asking you just to believe, but he's asking you to have faith. That faith is when you say, yes, Lord. And then when you get up, if you just picture it as that you're in front of the king and you're on your knees with your head bowed because he tells us not to be stiff-necked. So your head's down and bowed like this and you just say, yes, Lord. And then what do you do? Well, you get up from in front of the king and you take the first step of what he just told you to do. When you get out the door, you may not know what the next step is, and that's okay, because that's not what he's asking you. David clearly veered off path, but God said, you know what, here's a man after my own heart. Here's a man who gets it right, because he gets it right in his heart with his will and what he wants to do. So I would tell you that to initiate this success in your life is to say, yes, Lord, and take the next step of obedience. Whatever he's telling you that is, and so, so here's a lie. The lie is, well, I'm not going to be able to do it, so I won't even start. Or another lie is, I don't even know what he's telling me. Well, I can tell you every answer to every question you have is in this word. You can bring every single question that you're facing, every fear that you have, everything is in this word. I'm confident. And if you don't... You may not be able to open this word and get to all that. And so guess what we've got now? We've got the enablement of the internet. It's amazing. You can go on some of these internet biblical search sites and just type in a question. Lord, how do I deal with forgiveness? Lord, how do I deal with my money? Lord, should I pay taxes? You know, Lord, should I take a new job? You know, you can put in all those things. You can put in any question you have and you just look up verses that relate to that and you're gonna come up with some truth out of this word right here that he can tell you how to do it. So he's not asking you to make this up or or to even, you know, eventually you're gonna be able to hear him on your own, but that's not what he's asking you. He's asking you to just take your plans and take them to him. Proverbs tells us this. It says, he tells you to commit your actions to the Lord and your plans will succeed. So that commit your actions to the Lord. That's what that really is saying. I looked up that word commit, and it's not really you know that you send the Lord a memo, <laughs> hey Lord, I'm I'm thinking about doing this, I'm I'm thinking about doing that, you know, bless this please. That's not what that word commit means. When I looked up the, the Hebrew word, it's actually to. It, it's interesting. It's to roll up, or to, you know, to roll into, or to flow down. So in other words, what it's saying is, take your plans put them next to what the Lord has said, and and make sure they mesh together. And when you commit your plans like that, or you submit your plans to the Lord, then your plans will succeed. Colossians tells us that whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not in human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as your reward. So again, what it's telling you there in Colossians is it's telling you to work as if you're under the Lord, commit your plans to the Lord, and they're going to succeed. And he's going to give you that inheritance if you just follow what he tells you to do. So we've investigated the definition of success. I've told you a simple truth of how you initiate success. So now what do we do with it? So we're gonna assume the Lord's gonna bring you success and what's he call you to do with it? Because I think this is important to make sure that you hold it correctly. Well, the Lord calls us to not just be blessed for your own sake, but he works through his people to bless the world around you. And Jesus explains this and he assures us in Luke's gospel. He says, give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be poured into your lap. That's Luke 6:38, And I, this is, a, there's another verse that says, give to all who ask in Luke. <laughs> a little more convicting. I thought I was gonna hold that back, but uh, I didn't. That give to all who ask was really profound to me because, you know, I esteem justice. I esteem the right way to do things. Uh, and so early on in my walk with the Lord, he challenged me with that give to all who ask verse. And I really rec- had to reconcile that because, you know, give to all who ask. I mean, it was real easy for me to give to people who are doing the right thing. It's real easy to me to give to somebody when I know they're actually gonna go buy food with that money. It's, it's really easy for me to give to somebody my time you know, or counsel when I know they're actually gonna use what I say, but routinely, he puts people in front of me you know, that I don't know if they're gonna go take that 20 bucks and spend it on liquor or if they're gonna take that 20 bucks and buy food, which is what they asked me for. But the truth is, the Lord's in charge of that. He told me to give to all who ask. And so in this verse, he says, give and it will be given to you good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, it will be poured into your lap. So that sounds like success, right? I mean, we've said being content in all things. We're saying that to love life and to see good days. I mean, that's painting the picture of seeing good days in abundance, right? So he's asking you to take these blessings that he gives you, this success that he's given you, and he asks you to invest it in other people's lives, and the best way I can explain that verse in a, in a real practical terms is that it's all about, I told you before that, that we had to understand success in order, and that was really to help posture ourselves properly in front of the Lord to initiate it. Well, now we wanna posture ourselves after we've received the blessing and the success. But what does that mean? I've always equated it to if the Lord gives me something that I could hold it in my hand like this. Because the tendency is not to do this. The tendency is to hold on tight to things, Right? Because fear makes us hold on tight to things. Being uncertain of where the next day is going to come makes us hold on tight. The, the, the disciples, when you heard them rebuking the woman about pouring the oil, I mean, they're holding the things untightly, right? Because they don't know where the next meal is going to come from. They don't know how they're going to provide for the poor that the Lord's given them charge to do. And so they're saying, Lord, shouldn't we take this oil and, and, and hold it tight like this? And he's saying, No, I want you to do this with everything I give you, not just with the blessings but you know, the sorrow is going to be in here too. You know, that I'm holding on to the, my past like this, and I'm holding on to the blessings like this. And why is that? Well, I'm holding on to the past like this because I'm waiting for the Lord to come up and take it out of my hand. I'm holding, I'm holding on to the hurt this way, the rage this way, because I know that if I just hold it here long enough, the Lord's gonna take it out of my hand and he's gonna give me what's his. Because he said, you know, he says, put on to me, your yoke is heavy, my yoke is light. Bring it to me, bring all your sorrow to me, bring all your suffering to me, and I'll make it light. And so I'm holding the sorrow this way too, and the Lord's gonna take it out of my hand. And then what does he do with the blessings? Well, my hands can hold a lot more blessings like this than they can like this. And so if I hold his blessings this way, well, what does that mean? What well, means other people can come up and take out of my hand too, right? You can come up and take out of my hand. I can't safeguard blessings this way. But what's the Lord paint the picture in that verse? Well, I mean, those blessings are gonna be in my hand. They're gonna be flowing over into my lap. I'm not gonna be able to contain it. And so he's calling us to have a posture once we taste success to have this posture It also is a posture to say, I'm acknowledging that I'm not creating any of these things. If my hands are like this, they're not busy manufacturing success. I've just said, yes, Lord, I've bent down to him and I'm holding that success because he's given it to me. So I hope that helps you. It really helped me. So in closing, I told you we were gonna answer the three questions that we were gonna talk about investigating success and defining it, and I think that's really important because if you just define success as all those accolades and all those accumulation of, of wealth and, and power, you're gonna go down the wrong way. It comes from the Lord and it's that contentment in all things to love life and to see good days. And then we talked about how do we initiate that and it's just simple, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, on your knees and then when you get up, the first step you take is the one he just told you to do and you let the rest worry about itself, the Lord says he will sanctify you. It's not your job to sanctify you. He tells us it's his job to sanctify us. All he wants is the yes, Lord, and to take the step. That step of obedience. And then what are we to do with it? Well, we're we're gonna invest it in other people. We're gonna spread the blessings to others so that the Lord can continue to pour that into your lap. And so we're about to go into expressions And if you're new to us, you know, this is the point, this is really the critical point in the whole sermon, the whole service. Everything we're doing today is about this next few minutes. So I know you're gonna be inclined to go ahead and get your kids. You're gonna be inclined to get a beat on traffic and and get to that, you know, lunch spot so you don't have to wait in line. There's gonna be an inclination to go ahead and get out of here for this. But let me tell you, this is the most important part of the entire service because the Lord is speaking something to you today. He's challenging you with something, and what I I want to get you to do is through this expressions, just say yes. Just say yes and take the next step, and I have no idea where you are. You may be here today not knowing a relationship with the Lord. You may not understand anything that I said about what his truth is and how to read his word, and you may be holding off because you've all your life, you know he's been calling you, but you think it's too much to give. It's too much to sacrifice. Just say yes and trust me in this. Just I, I just I just showed you the blessings that can come, the, the success that can come if you just say yes, Lord. Or maybe you've given your life to Christ, but you're being held back and you there's something he's been telling you, forgive somebody, give to somebody. You know, maybe he's challenging you with tithing to the church, and you just think, Lord, I just I got my hands around this. I, I can't give anymore because I just don't know what tomorrow holds. If there's anybody in this place who hasn't challenged themselves with not knowing what tomorrow holds after the 18 months we've just been through, I don't understand it. There is an inclination to be fearful. There's an inclination to be worried about what tomorrow has and you're inclined to just hold on tight. But what I'm telling you is the Lord is telling you just open your hands and to be generous so that he can be generous to you. So no matter where you are, say yes, Lord. Because what he has for you is goodness and prosperity. Not always blessings. There's going to be some suffering linked in there. But it's a contentment in all things. That's success. So we're going to have the ability to come up and, and receive the body and blood of Christ. And for you, if you, if you need to commit to the Lord, well then that's, that's where you can do it. And you say, yes, Lord, I accept the relationship from you, the forgiveness from you. And that that what we're commemorating there is that he shed his blood so that you could be forgiven and you could walk into that salvation, into that knowledge of his success. And we're gonna have some folks in the back praying with you. If you just don't know what that next step looks like, come back and get prayer. Or maybe you wanna sit in your seat or stand up and worship the Lord because you've heard today what you can do to ensure success in your life and you're thankful for it. Or you're going to cry out to the Lord and say, Lord, bring me your success. I'm fearful. I'm scared. He can meet you where you are. You don't have to know what's next. You just say, yes, Lord, and take that next step. So, Father, we just thank you for this day, Lord. I thank you for... The success that you have brought me in in this life, Father. I I thank you for that, not so that I can boast or that I can brag, but so that, Lord, it lends weight to the truth that you have delivered today, that there is is success in Christ Jesus. There is success in his salvation. There is success in the obedience to the Lord. There is success to laying it all on the line and giving it all back for your kingdom so that others around us can can be blessed by you, Lord. We thank you for what you're doing, Lord. And I just pray that you would move in everybody's heart today, that you would help the lie of the enemy to be pushed off and that we would only believe what your word says, your truth, and we would all be brought to our knees and just say, yes, Lord. Thank you, Father.